This is the Future State Project with me, Rob Westervelt. Episode 9, Reversible Decisions. So I'm coming to you live again on my iPhone, not using the microphone, because I'm on location again. I am actually in a fifth wheel. Now, the reason that I felt like I needed to do this podcast right now is because I I wanted to talk about reversible versus irreversible decisions. So a little while back, my mom came to me and she said, you know, we're getting toward the peak of the market here where we live in beautiful Newburgh, Oregon. It's time to sell this house that we bought toward the bottom of the market. But here's the problem. And and check this out. It's a problem which requires an innovative solution, which brings me to our topic of reversible versus irreversible decisions. She was like, I want to sell. This is going to sell really fast, but... I don't have, have anywhere to go. I don't know what to do. Their, the rent is really, really, really tough in this city because it's an in-demand area. We are in beautiful wine country. And so I said, look, Mom, guess what? I just heard about a really interesting distinction about the two kinds of decisions. There are reversible decisions and irreversible decisions. And guess what? Selling your house? Well, that's a reversible decision because here's why. You can buy another one. Okay. An irreversible decision? Well, sometimes an irreversible decision could be Saying something that you can't you or you shouldn't say. Because once the words go out, well, they can't go back in. It's kind of like that old um, analogy of the toothpaste. Once the toothpaste comes out of the tube, you're not putting it back in. That would be an example of an irreversible decision. Now, you're going to come into contact with lots of irreversible decisions. Decisions that, wow, if we're wrong here, we're toast. But it turns out that most of the decisions that we deal with, well, they're they're reversible. They're not going to break the bank. So anyway, months ago, this is almost at the time of this podcast, about six months ago, we had an innovation retreat with my team up at High Vista. And we had some pre-work because I think it's important to do pre-work when you're doing an innovation retreat. You want to get the juices flowing. And the title of this article was Go Fast and Break Things. The Difference Between Reversible and Irreversible Decisions. And you can get that on Farnham Street by that title. I highly recommend it. But one of the great things about this article is it covers 
Jeff Bezos' simple rules for decision-making at Amazon. Now, of course, you know Amazon is a disruptor. It's an innovative company. And there's so much we could say about Amazon. So many great stories about how they went from books to everything. And maybe someday, maybe even in this podcast, if we have time, I'll tell you the story about how they crossed over to selling more than books because they had some failures along the way. wasn't easy, but there were reversible decisions. And it says here in this article, Bezos compares decisions to doors. I love that. I love it when people give it an analogy. They try to explain something by using an example that you're familiar with. So here's one for you. Doors. Reversible decisions are doors that open both ways. Irreversible decisions are doors that allow passage in only one direction. So if you walk through, you are stuck there. Most decisions are the former and can be reversed, even though we can never recover the invested time and resources. Going through the reversible door gives us information. We know what's on the other side. Okay, when we talk about innovation and we talk about doing, trying, prototyping, iterating, that is exactly what a reversible door is. You're not breaking the bank. You're learning what you don't know. You're learning what's on the other side of the door. Now, Bezos's insight is that in a dynamic environment where the past is not an indicator of the future and where change is constant, which is like most instances we find ourselves in, reversible decisions can get you to the future faster. Why? Because they can provide you with the information you need in the time you need it that sophisticated analysis cannot do. Now get that. Sophisticated analysis. Oh boy, how many times have you been in a meeting where somebody says, oh, we we need to get some data on that before we make a decision? You know what the problem is with data? Data is past tense. Data tells you what happened in the past, but in a dynamic environment, the past is not an indicator of the future putting together a presentation for our trustees and we're going to be talking about some innovative stuff. In fact, I'm going to be talking about some innovative things related to the Future State Project. All that you've heard this far is just a warm-up to what's coming. Kind of getting getting the hang of some of these uh, different kinds of mediums that I'm trying out, you know. Because it's all about experimentation. But anyway, I'm going to be talking about the Sandbox College, a concept 
a concept that is going to potentially change the game in a big way in higher ed. Actually, in all of education. There's a concept that I'm going to be throwing out there in a bit called Omni-Ed. You heard it first here. Okay. Let's not get too far down that road. But in the course of putting this presentation together, I was drawn to the year 2007. Particularly, I believe it was June 29th of 2007. Maybe you knew where you were that day. Or maybe that day passed and you didn't realize what happened to the world. Well, I'll tell you or I'll remind you. Because I'm sure once I tell you, you're going to go, oh yeah. And that is the day that the iPhone was unveiled. Now, when you think about technology and you think about change, well, guess what? You don't think about how fast the change happens. Because let's let's back up a little ways. Let's look back at some of the major inventions in our time. Think about electricity, okay? Now there's this thing called the rate of adoption. And the rate of adoption is how how long it takes for 25% of the population to adopt a technology. So let's look at something like, I don't know, electricity. Just, you know, created in 1873, took 45 years for that technology to reach 25% of the U.S. population. Let's move on over to the telephone. Kind of a big deal, connecting people. 35 years. Radio, another big invention. 31 years to reach one in four people. Let's move on over to that TV we used to call it the boob tube. 26 years for 25%. One in four people to get a TV. That sounds like a long time. Then let's move over to the big revolution. Well, let's just say one of the big revolutions. This is one that happened post Rob Westervelt being born, and that would be the personal computer. 16 years. I remember when they used to sell Apple IIe's door-to-door back in the day. One of my best friends, Chris, he had one of those bad boys. So did my uncle. Man, I thought those were cool. Myself, I had a Texas Instruments 99-4A And then moved up to the Commodore 64. But I digress. So let's talk about speed of change here. This is going to get to my point. The iPhone 2007. Guess how long it took for 25% of the population to get one of them. And I'm talking about an iPhone, not a smartphone. Less than three years. Now, get your mind around something here. Okay, think about, try to fathom this in 2007. In less than 10 years, 2016, they sold their billionth 
iPhone. A billion iPhones. Now, why am I telling you this story? I'm telling you because guess what? Nobody in their right mind thought that there would be something like an iPhone. Except for one guy, Steve Jobs. And there was no data to tell him who was going to buy it. And you know what? If you read Jobs' authorized biography by Walter Isaacson, it is a wonderful book. Great marketing book. Great business book. But in that book and in previous interviews, Jobs says, I never did market research because people don't know what they want. I'm going to create things that they can't even imagine. So, of course, I can't ask them. Because the past is not an indicator of the future. This is the point I'm trying to make. And you know what? I'm going to slam this book, this point home. Not, I'm not going to slam the book. I'm going to slam the point. So let me drop some more knowledge on you. Who could have predicted that 7 out of 10 people in the United States would own and use a smartphone in 2018? You know how many people that is? 248 million. Now, just back up. Let's let's talk about 1990, my first year in college. That was the population of the United States of America. And guess what was going down in 1990? I'll tell you what was going down. Not the internet. We didn't even have it. So if you were going to tell me in 1990, in my freshman year in college, that 70% of every man, woman, and child, 7 out of 10 people in the United States. I, I'm, that's not necessarily the same number right there. Let's just be real. But 7 out of 10 people in the United States was going to have a supercomputer in their pocket. Not just a supercomputer. A handheld device that would literally make obsolete over 100 other devices. You, nobody could predict that. Now, again, past is not an indicator of the future reversible decisions you know what a reversible decision was for apple creating the ipod that's right because guess what they created it sold a bunch and then guess what they did right away stop selling it jobs read a really interesting book by my man Clayton Christensen called The Innovator's Dilemma. That book really resonated with Jobs because the basic idea was The Innovator's Dilemma is that the, the innovator can't get over his innovation. And so basically what, what Jobs got out of it was, hey, somebody's going to cannibalize you. Somebody's going to create a product that's going to be better than your product. So here's the idea. Cannibalize yourself. Thus, the iPhone. Reversible decision. Walk through the door. Now, the iPhone's going to go away too. At some point, it will. 
But here's the point. And again, I'm going to just slam this bad boy home. So let's look at 2007. Guess who starts streaming its video on a massive level? Netflix in 2007. You know what made that a lot easier? The iPhone. That changed how we consumed movies and TV. 2008, Airbnb disrupted an entire industry, the hospitality industry, still disrupting 10 years later. That was started on a set of air mattresses. That's where you get the name Airbnb. A couple guys in San Francisco who started this company, guess what they did? Created a platform using existing technology, creativity, plus implementation. Said, hey, we got a couple air mattresses. There's some conferences out here. I bet you people pay money just to sleep on this in San Fran. They were right. And you know what? Once you can do that, guess what else you can do? Rent out castles, tree houses, rooms, you name it, anything. 2009, Uber completely disrupted the transportation industry. Um, Do you say, hey, taxi anymore? No, you just Uber it or Lyft it. But we're not even done yet. Let's bring jobs back into the picture in 2010 with the notebook killer called the iPad. That's right. Fastest selling technology in history. Couldn't see that coming, could we? But we're not done yet. No, 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 no. 2011. The first MOOC offered by my team at Stanford University. Peter Norvig and Sebastian Thrun. Introduction to Artificial Intelligence. 160,000 students from around the world signed up for that class and over 20,000 completed it. And that launched a whole new world in higher ed. And we keep on going. I mean, I don't want to belabor the point. But who would have thought in 2015 that Facebook would have basically the world's largest population? Over 1.3 billion. Or Alexa would have the echo in your house. Artificial intelligence in your home. Kids talking to computers. You know who would have thought of that? Probably some science fiction writers. But who would have predicted what would have happened and when it would have happened? Nobody. This is the point I'm trying to drive home. So, reversible decisions... They're super, super, super helpful. They give us information. Now, let's go back to mom, the fifth wheel, which is actually a really good place to do a podcast. It's nice and quiet in here. I got some friends visiting from out of town, and you know what? I'm kind of a little scooting out here to touch bases with you. But you come back to that fifth wheel, It's a reversible decision. Guess what you can do? This fifth wheel, it didn't cost that much. And you know what I told 
Mom, I said, hey, Mom, you're going to sell this for at least half. You're going to get half your money back. But you got all your money from your house. And guess what you get? You get to walk through the door and find out what you didn't know. And here's one thing she's going to find out. The market is going down. Interest rates are up above 5% and everybody's going, uh-oh. Looks like we just went over the peak. Smart move, Mom. He got out at the top. Way to go. So she walked through a reversible door in that situation. She learned information she didn't know. So I want you to think about that. Now, don't go hog wild and, you know, just do it on some irreversible decisions. Okay, because there definitely are irreversible decisions. When you jump off a cliff, um, there's no unjumping. So make sure you're not jumping off a cliff. When you sell your house, you're not jumping off of a cliff. But when you double down on an investment, maybe it's in your business. Maybe you're gambling on a idea that you're betting the house on at work or maybe in your personal life hey that could be irreversible be very very cautious about irreversible decisions but remember this decisions provide us with data that can help us make our future decisions better once you understand that reversible decisions are in fact reversible, you can start to see them as opportunities to increase your pace of learning. That comes again from that wonderful article, Go Fast and Break Things. And that's what I want to encourage you to do. Go fast and break things. Make reversible decisions. We get so hung up on and, and belabor reversible decisions. I mean, I don't know how many trillions of dollars are wasted on human time and how much life is wasted contemplating a reversible decision. Just do it. Spend your time thinking through the irreversible decisions. It's really odd. I find myself or have found myself in situations where we're sitting in meeting again and again about a reversible decision. And then we don't spend any time deliberating on the irreversible. And I mean, I see this all over the place. Especially in people's personal lives. They're sitting there contemplating, should I do this? Should I? Yes, you should. Just do it. Okay? Do it. Stop wasting your time. And don't use excuses like, we need more data. There isn't data for things that you can't predict. Okay? There isn't. Now, that doesn't mean that data is not helpful. Data is helpful to a degree, but data cannot tell you what to do in a dynamic environment. 
Because again, in a dynamic environment, the past is not an indicator of the future. Steve Jobs couldn't know how many people are going to buy an iPhone because iPhones don't exist. There's no data on the iPhone. But he was right. But he didn't just jump into the iPhone. No. That dude created all kinds of stuff before the iPhone came. Think of the software. Think of the OS. Think of the iPod. Even back up before that, think of what he was doing with the laptop. Think of what he did with the graphic user interface, which, by the way, was not his idea. Oh, boy, we can learn a lot from that guy. Now, here's the other thing. We can learn a lot from him on what not to do. I think I've mentioned this on another podcast. It's great to learn from mistakes. They don't have to be yours. I'm stealing that from my boy, Warren Buffett, guy who knows a few things about life and business. Definitely worth contemplating. But I'm going to wrap up this podcast with some encouragement. Tap into that inner innovator. Think about the creative juices that are bubbling up. Think about some decisions you got to make. Classify them. Are they reversible? Are they irreversible? Treat them differently because they're not the same. Don't spend so much time in your reversible decisions. Just do it. Learn from it. It's a prototype. It's an experiment. You can't know what the outcome's going to be, which is why you got to walk through the door and get the learning. The rever- irreversible decisions, go ahead and take a little time. Get some counsel on those. Those are the ones you want to be cautious about. You want to deliberate. You do want to get some data on those bad boys because... There's a lot riding sometimes on an irreversible decision. Sometimes there's irreversible decisions that there isn't a whole lot riding on it. Right? Know the difference. And remember this. It doesn't have to be perfect. It just has to be awesome.